Welcome to this week's episode. In this one, I have a conversation with Sean Sullivan, better known as Joker the Bail Bondsman. Joker is, without a doubt, the most commercially successful rapper from Alaska. His music videos were in heavy rotation on BET Uncut, a late-night uncensored music video block on BET back in the early 2000s. Back then, Joker was fully in it. He was living the stereotypical rap life, selling drugs and rapping about it. That is, until he got caught trying to sell to an undercover agent. He ended up spending over eight years in federal prison for the distribution of crack. Today, that's not something he's proud of, though. He doesn't flaunt his rap sheet for street credit. Instead, he uses his past experiences, both good and bad, as a way to guide him toward legitimate success in the future. Okay, time to give the Crude Company men a shout-out. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber Seward Brewing Company Crystal Liska Derek Adolph Blue and Gold Board Shop Sharon Liska Scott Liska and James Humphreys Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. If you subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. Your money helps keep this podcast alive. My mission is to reach $4,000 a month. I've done the math, and with that amount, I'll be able to make this a full-time job. That amount includes my living expenses, as well as podcast production expenses. So if you enjoy these conversations, you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. Patreon.com slash crude magazine and pick the subscription tier that works for you also i've been thinking about adding an advertisement or two to the podcast potential advertisers wouldn't affect content and would understand crude's mission of preserving and defining alaskan cultures if you're interested and your mission aligns with that you can contact me at liska cody at gmail.com that's l-i-s-k-a-c-o-d-y at gmail.com. Okay, back to Sean Sullivan. Probably Sean's most important attributes are his persistence and his willingness to invest in himself. Back when he was doing the rap thing, he seized every opportunity that was available to him. And for the opportunities that weren't available to him, he created situations that would, in time, make them available to him. He did this by cold calling television and radio stations, paying for the production of his own music videos, and buying plane tickets for hip-hop journalists to come to Alaska. This is how he found success. He manifested it. He didn't wait around expecting someone else to recognize his talent. Although he doesn't really go by Joker anymore, preferring people call him Sean instead, he still pursues potential ventures with the same vigor and tenacity he did when he was a young rapper. So here he is, Sean Sullivan. Mike is hot. Mike's hot. Mike's hot. Is it recording? It's recording. That's what that means, dude. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. Sean. What's up, man? Joker the Bail Bondsman. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. What's up? Have you been? I'm all right. I'm pretty good, man. I'm doing all right. So, what are you doing right now for work? 
I'm currently working at Rule Cap. I work at Fred Myers and I work at Moving 105.7. What was that last one? Moving 105.7. Radio station. Yeah. And you have your own radio show. Yes, I do. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Um, I have a show on Saturdays and Sundays from 10 to 3. And what do you do? On air. I'm on air personality. Playing music and yeah. what kind of music do you play? Um, soccer mom music. <laughs> what does that mean? Stuff that's not, you know, they wouldn't mind listening to while they're riding in the car with their children. They wouldn't be offended. What is your go-to soccer mom song? Um, Shawn Mendes is pretty dope right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I mean, like, I like his music because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a music producer, so my taste in music is different from a lot of other people because I don't just look at it from a perspective of my own personal talents. I look at it from a, an executive standpoint now that I'm older. You know what I mean? So I like kind of the, the music we play. I can actually, I don't like all of it, but I can definitely say that the mass majority of it, I do enjoy it though. Do you enjoy them differently? Like different songs you enjoy for different aspects? Yeah. And there's like a bunch of different music. That's what kind of makes it awesome is that like the other day, like I was playing some soul to soul, dude, and some heavy D. So I'm just like, wow, like this is stuff that like, you know, I really grew up to. Like, you know, in the hip hop here in Alaska. So it makes me feel good to be able to play classical groups like that. So your name, I don't think I've ever asked you this. And I have interviewed you a few times. Where did the name Joker the Bail Bondsman come from? It just came from, well, when I was younger, I used to dance in a group called PBL. And um, <clears throat> I called myself Joker from then. And the Bail Bondsman just came a little later when... um. It was just something me and my friends were joking and laughing about that might sound crazy if I added it to my name and I threw it in there and it kind of stuck. So I just never really took it away. But, you know, m these days I kind of just go by Sean because I'm, a, you know, like I said, that's kind of like a when I'm a younger phase but everybody still kind of knows me like that. But I don't get offended by it when people call me. They always yell that out to me. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> like I just did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the other day on the phone, you kind of briefly told me about all the projects you have going on. Yeah. You're writing another book. You're managing a few artists. Yep. What can you tell me about all that? Um. Well, I wrote a lot of books, but it's just timing and position to actually put them out and then I'm not really good at like um grammatical things like sentencing structures and things like that so it takes me a little bit longer because a lot of my books that I wrote the majority of them some of them I had written them in pencil from when I was incarcerated so having to transition them to a computer now I just recently um downloaded that Grammarly thing that kind of snagged me because I kept seeing it over and over. They kept advertising me. And then I downloaded it to just see if what, what it was like. Dude, that thing like turned me into like a, a <laughs> literal, like I could be like a a collegiate writer now using that Grammarly thing. That's awesome. Dude, that thing is dope. It's a lot bigger than what people really think it is. It like, yeah. So that, you're a fan? Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. 
I'm able to edit my own books now. That's where I was getting to. So I can actually edit my own books now because before, like, I would call you like, Cody, do you have somebody help me? I need editing this I book. remember that. That's where I was getting to. So, like, it's like now I took a, I went out on a whim and downloaded that software. Now all that money I'm paying out to somebody that can edit my own book, dude, I can, I don't have to pay anybody now mm-hmm. because that software just gives me the complete, the structure of what is standard for, you know. A person with an uh, average education level should be able to pick it up and read it unless you put your book in that format. So, What is your book about? What what kind of things do you talk about? Well, I actually got a couple I'm working on. Two that I just, two are finished. Um, I've got one called Land of the Midnight Gun, which is kind of like a, um, it's like a, a urban book. It's like an urban novel. Something I just kind of wanted to get out of my system. It's just about a young kid. It's it's real it's real cookie cutter and cliche ish, you know what I mean? It's just something kind of wanted to just get out of my system that I just been having sitting there, and it's like let me just put it out. It's kind of mm-hmm. almost like the first book I put out, but it's I think the first one was a lot better. The first one was yeah, in my opinion. By urban, what do you mean? Is that just kind of the themes that it follows, or yeah, it's just like an, an urban depiction setting, but it's just done in Anchorage with a lot of familiar names and you know, landmarks and things around town that people would be familiar with if you're from Anchorage. What about your artists that you're managing? Um, one artist I'm working with right now is, it's a couple, I mean, so, I mean, it's, it, it takes a lot for me to want to work with an artist, you know what I mean? Because I'm not really, like, music isn't my main drive right now, so... It really takes a lot to get me kind of sparked or, or, or moving in the direction of wanting to work with somebody. But um, I have a young gentleman I've been working with recently. His name is uh, Promise. He's pretty dope. He's got some good music. I'll give you some of his stuff if you want to play it. Um, definitely, we got Max, Sule. You know, it's always my my closest family. We always working and trying to come up with something. But we have so many other different ventures and stuff that we're moving into. Not everything is centered around music like it used to be. So, mm-hmm. um, I like Fairview Treasy. He's a young guy out here that's pretty hot. I'm interested in trying to work with him, so we'll reach out to him and see see what he's got going, see what he has going. And so, what makes you want to work with an artist? Um, the the fact that they'll be willing to work harder than me at their own career. Everybody kind of um these days, everybody wants everything done for them and handed to them, so. It's hard that you find an artist that has the tenacity to, to be parallel to what someone else is trying to do. Holding themselves up to a different caliber. Yeah, like to the point of willing to invest in yourself. That's what I like to see because I'm going to do it. I'm going to take money away from me going to dinner with my wife and spend that on you and your music career. Are you willing to do the same? You know, Is that different than it used to be? Well, yeah, it is. Because back in the days, it was like the label pays for everything, 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 everything. But the artists today feel that they're owed so much, then it's like, okay, well, let's split the bill then, you know? Unless I believe in your music so much that I just feel like I I should, you know, take a loan out on my house on it. And you're going to have to do some impressive shit for me to do that. <laughs> for real. Because I, I don't see that happening. So I think that... And I hate to even result to that because you're going to have everybody like, oh, dude, it's the lyricism in the court. Yeah, that shit. Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was 30 years ago, man. I got to pay some bills, bro. Shit. <laughs> For real. So it used to be about lyricism. 
You it, said, and yeah, now I it's mean, not? I mean, it is, but for me, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make some money, man. For real. I, that's why I don't really, I'm not too really invested in the music anymore because there's not really any money in it unless you're um, already really successful. There's no money in the music industry right now. So you're working on the books, you're working on, and what else are you working on? Everything, movies, whatever, whatever I think I can, I'm just casting a million different fishing rods. And if something bites, then, you know, that's kind of the direction that I'm going to pull towards, you know, I'm not, I've, I've spent what, 30, 40 years on this music shit. And I'm, I'm just going to wake up tomorrow and feel like the world is supposed to love me. No, you got to, you know, go into other different things like real estate. I, you know, I do real estate, all kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So. It's just something that I wish I would have tapped into when I was younger because everybody has this ideal thing that, oh, you should just do something and then just stick with that one thing till it works. Well, that's what everybody does in their life and less than probably 1% of the people that do that shit works. Mm -hmm. You spend your whole life chasing this one thing and a very small percentage ever get it. Whether it's trying to go to the NBA or to the NHL or Fuck it, making as a rapper. The worst thing you could probably that shit like you don't e don't even come up to me and tell me you rap, bro. I don't even <laughs> want to hear that shit, bro. And I'm not being arrogant and I'm not being pompous, but but that is it's so like, dude, like you don't have like I don't know. It, the value of it isn't the same. Like twenty years ago, I'm a rapper. It's like, damn, dude, okay, all right, mm -hmm. dude, I'm a rapper. It's like, oh shit, like okay. So you mean when people introduce themselves as a rapper, it, it kind of bums you out now? I mean, not, I, I'm not going to say it bums me out, but it's just like, I don't know. There's more rappers than there are fans, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's not even enough people because everybody's on that side of the music now, and it's like, my music is the best, and if you're not gravitating towards mine, then everything else is trash. It's kind of like that concept, too many Indians, not enough chiefs. Exactly. But like I said, every once in a while, I, I mean, I do listen to music and then I do hear stuff that's like, whoa, that's really dope. You know, I'll be willing to work with these guys. And then it's, it's a lot of things that factor into the equation. But it's just the thing with Alaskan artists, too, and, I, and I'm at complete liberty to say this is going to piss a lot of people off, is nobody wants to spend any fucking money on their career. Everybody parades around, blah, blah, blah. I got all this. I got that. I'm doing that, doing this, 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 and that. But if you come to them and say, can I use profanity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if I, that's just like you, Cody. I've known you for a long time. One thing about you is you invest into your craft. You're not afraid to say, if this is what we need to get done, I'm going to spend this money, even if I have to, whatever the fuck I got to do to get it. I believe in this vision enough to spend my hard earned money on it. Alaska <laughs> rappers aren't like that. If you go to Alaska rapper right now and say, we're going to make a gamble on your music career, but you're going to have to spend $1,000 of whether you're going to make it or not, how many times are you willing to make that gamble? An Alaskan rapper is probably going to say, not at all. Me, I'm going to do shit. Let's go. Let's start. Let's, let's roll. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit that motherfucker eventually. <laughs> let's roll him. And, and, and that's one of the things that's frustrating. A lot of people are like, oh, he's not doing this. No, because you, you got to be the, the time and the position of the music industry you got to be able to move and be able to put yourself in a position at a rapid pace and you don't have time to wait. The Alaska rappers just studio record all this music, record all this music. But I, I did a post on social media and I asked people, how many of you local rappers, how much money have you guys spent with Facebook and Instagram in the past year? I think the post got like six likes. 
that was a slap in the, uh, the, to me, I was trying to tell people that you spend all of this money, but two of the most prominent and successful engines that you can use to push your career over the threshold, you won't spend money with them. Why? Because they give you the app for free. So that sounds stupid. Why would I spend money with Facebook? Why would I spend money with Instagram? Are you fucking serious? Dude, they have access to 100 billion fucking people that they can release you to in the press of a button. Why wouldn't you spend thousands and thousands of dollars with these entities? I don't, who, who the hell knows my name? Sean Sola, okay, who gives a fuck about Joker the Bell Bondsman? If you look, and it's just as simple in local artists' face, but they would never do it or spend their money. They'll tell you, like, listen, we'll put your shit in front of 100 million people, but you have to spend this amount of money, and this is the demographics and the algorithm that we're going to guarantee you reach. Here's the minimum amount that you'll reach. Dude, these are new fans for mm -hmm. me that have never heard. So I broke that shit all the way down because I was trying to really figure out what can you do to cover the threshold. Dude, Facebook was selling views, dude, for like less than a fraction of a penny, dude. A third of a penny. Real authentic views that they'll back. If you advertise with us, we'll put your shit on this many timelines. And I'm and I know I'm rambling, but it just frustrates me how local artists and people's perception of spending money on marketing and advertising is so jaded. Because that same thousand or that same hundred you'll go spend on some weed or a belt or but not knowing that Instagram or Facebook will, will put your marketing strategy and brand you in a position to where that you can get a, like a million views and only spend like 500 bucks. Do you think that maybe the concept of investing in yourself is different nowadays than it used to be? So maybe back when you were coming up, maybe buying those new shoes and those new clothes was the equivalent of what is now, you know, paying 20 bucks for a promoted post on Facebook and Instagram. And maybe that old way is still taking hold. I, 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 I see where you're coming from, but I would say no, because I was around people who invested in themselves. And then I was around people who did exactly what you said. But I seen that the only way I guess I learned. I mean, I guess I was a fast learner. The reason I say that is because. Investing in yourself, like you said, definitely is nice. Shoes, beautiful things like that. But at the same time, token, if you're not investing in your dreams and what you believe in, then what's your purpose? Why are you here? You mean as far as if you are involved in a creative endeavor? Yes, in a creative endeavor. And I feel just in life in general, it's a journey that we all have a purpose. Whether some believe they do or some that don't believe. I don't even know... I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what my purpose is, but we all do have a purpose that we must fulfill in life. And if in whatever, the, if it's your dreams or whether it's not, it's pushing towards something. You got to strive towards something. Even if you're at the bottom, strive to get up from the bottom and, and, and get back level again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we're, we're kind of talking about it a little bit in abstract. The concept of pursuing your dream. Do you have an example of a moment or a time when you were like, I'm going to invest in this thing rather than, you know, buy these new clothes or, you know, go out to dinner. Yes. And that's and I'm glad you said that. That's that's genius that you would even bring that up, Cody. And I think that's what differentiates achievers and people who succeed 
from people who make excuses. And yes, that's my whole claim to fame is anything that I believe in, I'm going to invest in it, even if it's a complete fucking flop. I don't care. I tried it, but now I'm going to finish it, though. As long as I finish it, I don't care what anybody says. I completed it. It sucked. It flopped. It wasn't shit, but I completed it. It's done. Do you have an example? Um, A whole bunch of albums. Put out tons and tons of albums that I thought were going to go triple platinum. A lot of them never done um, really big things. I mean, I, w- I worked on that um, horror series Shadow for a while. And I just got really tired of it and shit. It was just really exhausting because I think I did a lot of it myself. That didn't really gain the momentum. But these are all still things, seeds that I've planted that still have potential to grow and nurture themselves. Not every See, I feel like sometimes I'm so ahead of my time. Not everything I do is for right now. Some stuff I do to just complete and get it done. And it needs to, it's, it's, it needs to sit somewhere because it was before its time. And when it's ready, it, it'll manifest itself. Well, and that I think mentality is is really important because then you can look at everything you've done as building blocks rather than failures. Yes, exactly, as pieces to a bigger puzzle. But a lot of people don't see that, Cody. It doesn't. They don't. A lot of people don't visualize and conceptualize like that. But what you're saying is exactly right, and that's the way I look at things. These are all small pieces into a, a grand scheme of things because we're franchises. Literally, I'm a businessman. At the end of the day, you're a businessman. I provide a service. What is the service you need? Do I have the time? And is what you're going to give me worth it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So Yeah. So helping other people out with their music and kind of their dreams is a big change from where you came from, which was making your own music. Yeah. Why did you decide to make that transition? Because I wasn't willing to change with the sound of the music. It's just I was trying to I was trying to go with what the way music was going and the feel. And it's just I was sounding like real old school. It just wasn't and I'm not one to sit here and shit myself. Oh my shit is just so dope. I'm just the lyric. I in my mind when I was doing it, it sounded dope and I was like, Okay, yeah, this is just and then I come back and I'll listen to it later with fresh ears and I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? And it kept happening with songs I was doing. And then I don't have a... One thing about me is like I don't have a problem with pride. Pride is nothing to me. That shit is just a word to me. I'm, I'll be the first one to listen to my shit and say that shit is trash. <laughs> that, that's good. That's you know that's <laughs> something that, that comes, I think, with, with age and knowledge and wisdom is to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Brutally sometimes. And that's when it, when it just... I was just like, dude, like... Maybe I could focus my energy on something else, dude. I'm 40 years old. I got gray hairs, dude. I'm not, I can't really be dancing around. I can't go hang out with young girls and shit. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's kids out here half my age that have that same energy. My back is not as good as it used to be, dude. Like, let the youngsters have it, man. See, a lot of people have that pride issue, man. I I could play any position on the field, man. I don't, I'm a team player. And if that's in the background, then, you know, that's kind of where I want to be right now. That's why I'm like, this is probably going to be my last interview I ever do, unless I get like really rich and famous. So I'm not looking to do no media, no exposure. I just want to kind of really kind of fade into the background and let other people use my experiences and resources. Do you ever feel like you have a responsibility to the local rap scene here? Not really. No, I don't actually. I ask that question because I think that you are, without a doubt, a legend when it comes to Alaskan rappers making it big. And I mean that by 
I think you are the most commercially successful Alaskan rapper that's ever done it. So having gotten there, I guess my train of thought would be uh, you might want to imbue that knowledge and the things that you've learned and the experiences you've gained onto younger generations. Mm. You don't feel that though. Yeah, I definitely do want to help the younger generations. Of course. Yeah, I do. So you do feel a responsibility then? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do, but I don't feel obligated. Okay. To, you know, if that makes sense, I do feel responsible, but I don't feel obligated because I'm. if you come to me and talk to me and, and, and you're in the right mind frame, I'll help anybody if you talk to me. It depends. It's on that. That perception, how we first meet, the vibe, timing and position. That's one of my favorite things right now. Timing and position is everything. It's like if you come to me at a party and there's music blasting. Hey, man, I want to do it. It's like, dude, like, oh, dude, I'm drunk. Nah, this isn't the time or the place. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the atmosphere. Me or you somebody, Cody, hey, this is so-and-so. He's really good. Check out some of his music. Let me airdrop you something right now. There's a time and a place for everything. Because I'm not really in a position to just take somebody and turn them into a platinum artist. We're not, I'm, I'm just going to make that clear. I don't know everything about this music. Um, regardless of what I achieved in the past or whatever, that doesn't mean you know anything. I don't know shit about this music industry because it's constantly changing. But I know what I know, and I have the resources that I've accumulated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, But I, I, I will help people, though. And I'm working on a bunch of artists and stuff right now, but... It's just the thing is like how many of them, they, they've got to be willing to invest in themselves. That's one of my main key things is in to be able to create awareness and a buzz. And then all I can do is just kind of come in and help with like the business and like a conduit. If you were to give your younger self advice, what would it be? I always ask myself that too if I write it to myself. I definitely would tell myself to get a job, get some jobs. I know that sounds really crazy, but a job is very foundational. Um, hmm. I probably tell myself to leave Alaska. Yeah, I'll probably primarily take my girl and my kids and leave Alaska. Why is that? Because hmm. I I don't know. I think I probably just had too much time in in invested in the streets and just around here growing up in a small town. It's kind of like Anchorage is kind of like a pair of old shoes. Your your toes eventually start growing out and sticking out the front of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what kind of happened. And when when we were achieving the success that we were, we're having the videos on BET and stuff. The hugest mistake we made is we stayed here. We should have left. So you should have left at that high point or you should have yeah. left before? At the high point. We should have just left and just traveled all over the United States while our videos are in circulation by multitudes. And then that's how we would have broken into the industry because that was our chance. So, Because 90% of this music industry shit is showing up. That's what that's all it is. And I'm going to say it, and I'm not going to keep repeating it, but this shit is showing up. They need to see your face. They need to keep seeing you. Well, people now aren't making money off albums. They're making money off touring. Exactly. But there's a small circle, like almost like a fraternity that they just they travel every they can afford it so they travel everywhere and hang out boom 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 like film festivals mm-hmm. if you go to this local film the same fucking people in there hey, hey. everybody's trying to got that same that's exactly how the music industry is it's tight it's it's a tight fit to squeeze in but you can get in but you got to spend some fucking money mm-hmm. 
And then what happens eventually is they're like, dude, Miami, LA, Memphis. Cody, come over here, dude. You by yourself? Yeah, just me, man. Now you're from Alaska. Come over here with us, man. You know what I just thought of is every year you post pictures of you at the BET Awards. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are those are recent, right? It's every every year you go. Multiple award shows too. Sometimes they're different ones, but the BET that's a big one too. And it's you showing up. Yep. You're going to those places, you're meeting exactly. those people. It's exactly what you just described in action. Yes. What was it like going back to that atmosphere after you got out of prison? Like after you, you, were, you were free again and you, say, went to the BET Awards and saw the new kind of era of, of people in the industry. It was exciting. Um, I mean, I always feel blessed and thankful that I get to actually attend the awards because a lot of people never get to go. So I just want to say how humbling it is. Um, it felt like I was supposed to be there, actually. After all that time, and you're still invited back. Yeah, because I was going before that, though. I was still going to the Source Awards. I was like, I, I've been showing up. If you even check the timeline before I went to prison, that's what I invested my money in. Is that what other, and that's what put me in a position that everybody else wasn't because I didn't give a shit about jewelry or I need to have a nice Benz while I ride through Anchorage. Dude, I'm fucking pulling up in Miami. I might hop out a fucking Lamborghini and walk up on Little Wayne. And they're like, yo, that's Alaska. And they're like, dude, there's no fucking way you're from Alaska dressed like that getting out of a Lamborghini. Yeah. What's up, man? We going to the studio? So, like I said, they start seeing you. They keep seeing you. Then it's like, come on. But see, I don't like telling too much people again because I charge people for this shit. (laughs) This is my bread and butter. Because you know why? Because I spend my money on it. (laughs) <laughs> and I hate to be an asshole like that, mm-hmm. but I invest a lot of money into this shit. If, if fucking Puff Daddy's having a Revolt Music Conference and he's going to have every fucking music industry contact in the whole United States of America there and you're not there, you're not serious about this music shit, Cody. Mm-hmm. That's like you're a journalist. Everybody's going to be in this room. Ted, bro, Cody, we can get you in there, but it's going to cost you 500 but we're going to put you right next to fucking the, you know what I mean? You're going to have a chance to talk to him if you want to. You're going to be like, well, shit, I know how to work the room. (laughs) So I'm like, and that's just one of the things that I've always had that drive. Like if it's worth it to me, put me in the room. I don't give a fuck if it's Will Smith. I'm going to walk up to him. I'm going to either leave an impression or I'm going to embarrass myself. Either way, I don't give a shit. That's great. Going back to the the BET Awards, because that's my only frame of reference, because, you know, I see it on Instagram. Yeah. You're going up to these artists. I, I think I saw one picture with you and Young Thug. Um, I mean, it, it's it's everybody. If somebody that you see, you, you roll up to them and you get the photo. Yeah. You know, you get the proof that you met and that you're out there and doing it. And not only it. that, though, but I do talk and network. I get the connects. I definitely get the contacts, though. And that comes with... Not giving a shit about your pride. No. You're in it. And it doesn't always work. I get shitted on all the time. There's some people, but I don't care. You're going to see me again. I'm going to walk up to you again. I'm a real dude. So, I mean, like, <laughs> for real. So, I, that's why it's like that. I'm hungry, dude. I'm fucking starving. So, I'm, I mean, I'm. if it's an opportunity of a lifetime, dude, and I don't take it, I'm not going to be like, man, I should fucking shut up. 
I'm not doing that shit, Cody. I'm mm -hmm. like, man, I did it. He fucking embarrassed me. I'm fucking, <laughs> but yeah. I tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried Have you to always been like this? Hell yeah. If I see Eddie Murphy right now, I'm going to walk up to him. I don't know what I'm going to say. I would lose my mind if I saw Eddie Murphy. He is. Would you say something to him? I'd have to. Exactly. Beverly, Beverly about, Hills Cop bro. 2. Beverly Hills Cop 2 is uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. It is, dude. He, he fucking slayed that. Yeah, yeah. He did. And that's what I'm talking about. And this is this is what differentiates the dreamers from those that just kind of sit back. It's like, dude, fucking Eddie Murphy. Listen, I got to tell you, dude, the fucking golden child, dude. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, gotta, yeah. you know, there's certain <laughs> sentimental shit where he's going to have to be like, well, damn, dude, you remember golden? All right, dude. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But that's, that's just that tenacity. And like I said, that drive, like, it, are you willing to invest in your dreams? Well, and I think there's a certain authenticity behind it, too, because- so we were just talking about Eddie Murphy, right? I'm not trying to gain anything from him. I just want I just want to know the fact that I met him. Yes. That's it. Yes. Right? And so I guess going back to those BET photos again is like there's no possible way that you could do a song with every single one of those people. That no. wasn't your intention. You no. were just being like, hey, what's up, Sean? Nice to meet you. Can yeah. we get a photo? I'm out. And I also use it to let – because a lot of artists, people, and people think that they can't be aligned with their dreams – so that's why you see me at the label and I tell these guys, listen, I can help you get into some of these positions, but you're going to have to pay me. I'm not going to use my resources just because I want to be cool with you. I don't give a shit about that. No disrespect to anyone. I'm not looking for no new friends. I'm not looking for kumbaya points. I don't give a shit. Dude, I work three jobs. I'll take my ass to work, bro. Mm -hmm. If I have to get on the phone and start to call these people, these are very busy people and start to arrange things. It needs to be feasible. What would you say... To the person listening to this and they're like, oh, man, he's like, oh, that's bullshit. He's working at Fred Meyer. Shit, Fred Price plays me a lot of money, bro. Motherfuckers laughing, giggling shit. Let me tell y'all something about Fred Myers. I'm journeyman. So, I mean, I, for those that are familiar, I, it's not like I can make doctor or lawyer money. But journeyman, you make a nice, you know, you could, you could make some money making journeyman. You know what I mean? And they pay you every Friday. My money lands direct deposit Thursday night, every fucking night, and I'm a journeyman at Fred Myers. That frees up a whole lot of money to do some things. I'm not going to tell you how much I make, but it's enough to where I can't fucking quit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's enough to where I hate my job. It kills me to walk in there, but I've convinced them to pay me enough to where it's like, dude, don't quit that fucking job, no matter what you do. <laughs> and then and another thing people don't know about Fred Myers, dude, for like $30 a paycheck, you can have like six family members on your insurance. 80% covered, like 85% covered. I am not shitting you, bro. <laughs> watch like watch like 12 people. Dude, I'm dead. dead like, Put in an application for Fred Meyer for after real? they listen to this. <laughs> I'm like, for, so I'm looking and I'm like, okay, look, put so-and-so on there. Like, Man, fucking put my dog on there. They're like, okay, okay. Oh, your dog? Only, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> only 30 awesome. bucks coming out of really a paycheck. Your dog on, on, that's awesome. <laughs> dude, Fred Myers is the shit. And, and, and that's why I know when people laugh, I'm like, dude, if they knew how much money I was making, they'd be like, yo. Where do I apply? Because I've been there for four. So I'm not going to, I've been there for like going on four or five years. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to be like, yo, I deserve, you, you know, give me this, give me that. You know what I'm saying? So. And I ask you that question because I, I think the same thing. I think that there is a very obvious difference from the person who will work and continue to do the passion thing mm. versus the person who will work and then be too tired 
yes. to do the passion thing. Yes. Yes. And that's what, and that's where guys like me and you come in because we do have our everyday lives, but this right here is something that we know is going to work if we just don't give up on it. You know, when did you become interested in making music? Um, I grew up in church, like literally like a couple blocks around the corner at Greater Friendship on 13th. And my mom and stuff was in the choir, so I'm, I've just been musically inclined since I was a baby. Were you in choir? Yeah, everybody was in the kids' choir. Yeah, I was in the kids' choir. Probably, I think I sucked, though. I wasn't really that good, but I was in the, <laughs> you know, it was something to do Saturday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I live right across the street. Go over there, get in the, participate in the kids' choir, yeah. Those are the good old days. And so that was the beginning Yep. Well, I mean, but my mom's always like, my mom would teach me how to rhyme and metaphors and things like that when I was a little kid. So that would probably be my first introduction into record. I mean, to uh, putting syllables and stuff like that together. Do you remember when it was more fully formed, you know, that you could identify it as rapping? I've always been rapping since like first, second grade. Like I, I've always rapped since... Yeah, since I've known what it was, you know what I mean? So I probably started actually writing songs, putting the pencil to paper, probably when I was in like sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. That's when I started actually writing songs. The song that is most popular is Money in a Ziploc Bag, right? Mm -hmm. Did you know that that was going to be a hit? No, I didn't. That song almost didn't, that video, all that shit almost didn't happen. It was a lot. It, it was a lot going on with that shit at that time, point in time in my life. It was like a real crazy time. I was at, at at that point. I wasn't really doing too good financially, and um, someone told me they had new busy that he was. He was like, "Oh yeah, busy's my cousin." Da 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 da. So I was just like, "Okay, well, when you get around him, just give me a call because I want to do a song with him." He was like, "Okay, okay. When I'm around him, I'm gonna call you," and he actually did. And I was just like, oh, shit. And I think he charged me something fucking ridiculous, though. Like, I can't remember. I, don't, I think it might have been like 7000 or something like that for the verse. And and they were dead. Like, Bone wasn't even popping. They were like, and I'm like, fuck, this, this dude wants like seven grand. It was something up along the lines of that. And then um, I paid for the song. And he sent it to me, and I didn't, and me and Phenom were riding. Now, the first person that was in the car with me is me and Phenom. We were riding, smoking weed. We were listening to it. And I'm like, I don't... We were like, oh, this shit sounds fucking weird. It was just, like, different. Because what happened is I sent him, like, 10 beats. And I was like, just pick one of these beats and just do a song to it. And he picked the most weirdest one. It was just, like, a random one. Like, what? Like, some beat, I, some fucking throwaway beat I probably made. And he just took it. And transformed it into something. But after we listened to it like four or five times, we were like, oh, shit. Like, dude, this is fucking, this is magical. You know what I mean? So, and then we shot the video. So, Busy Bone doesn't like to fly. So, I'm like, yo, I want to do a video. I got all these videos on Uncut. Um, this is going to be dope. Let's do a video. And um, he's like, man, I'm not coming to fucking Alaska. Fuck, no. So, I'm like. Fuck. So this is before the internet was popping. The internet had just started going. So it was like real. Eh, people hadn't really gravitated towards it yet. So I'm like, fuck. So 
He's in Cleveland, so now I'm trying to think. This is the way my mind thought back in like early 2000. I'm like, I gotta do this fucking video with uh, Busy Bone. Where am I gonna find a film crew because he won't fly? I gotta find a fucking film crew, get them to Cleveland. I gotta fly out to Cleveland, make sure all this shit's going right because I'm spending my money, make sure the video goes right. So I find a film crew in New York, dude named Billy Gregoriatis. Cool dude, cool as shit. I'm like, dude, I'm shooting a video. I need you to meet me in Cleveland and I'll send you the money. He's like, fuck it, all right, send me the bread. And, you know, me and my crew, I got a couple people will be there. So crazy story is like, as soon as I fucking land in. So Busy Bone was going to charge me 2,500 to be in a video. He's like, I want 2,500 to be in a video. In addition to the 7,000 for the In addition to the fucking 7,000 he had and he's not hot. <laughs> And my dumb ass went for it. I'm like, fuck it, dude. Grammy Award. This is fucking. And it, at this time, nobody in Anchorage is doing shit like this. They're not taking their money and buying verses from platinum recording artists back in like 2002, 2003. Nobody. That's, that's stupid. Why would you do that? I'm like, fuck that. I may be able to take that song and salvage something, monetize it. That's the, what I'm thinking in my head. So, um, dude. Like, I'm down to my last fucking money, Cody. I'm doing bad. Like, I'm hustling, but I've got two or three apart. I'm just not doing good at that point in time. So I get to Cleveland, and I've only got, like, $2,500 on me in total. So I'm like, fuck, how am I going to tell? I can't give him everything because then that leaves me with nothing. And I'm, like, with these dudes. So I get into the car. It's him and Lazy Bone and Alexis. They pick me up from the airport. So, you know, I hop in the car. It's two members of bar. I'm like, fuck, like, dude. I'm feeling like a star, dude. Like, you know, so I pull, mind you, I owe him 2,500 to get in the video. So I pull 2,000 out of my pocket, slip 500 back in, and I hand him the 2,000, and I'm about to tell him, like, yo, I still owe you 500, but I give him the 2,000, right? And he takes it, and he looks at it, and he's counting it, like, yeah. And, you know, and he breaks a couple off, and he gives it to, to uh, Lazy, and he's like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm telling you, like, bro, we're not doing shit. This guy's flying from Alaska, filming music videos, having gear crews drive in. What the fuck are we doing? These are the conversations they're having in front of me. And I'm just sitting here looking at them like, and I'm like, these dudes don't even know I'm fucking broke. I'm sitting here in this back seat, like, dude, I'm down to my last fucking, like, back home, I probably only got maybe 1,200 bucks left. But I'm investing every fucking thing I have into this. To the point where I'm going home with nothing. I got to pretty much, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how passionate I was about my shit. That's why I'm, 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 that's where I'm going with this. But, dude, I get to fucking Cleveland, East, you know that East 99. Oh, dude, that shit is like the fucking slums. I shit you not. This is the first fucking thing that happens when I get to Cleveland. Me, Busy Bone, and uh, Lazy Bone, they drive to the hood. We go to this fucking, we're driving through the fucking ghetto. And we go into this house. You know what I'm saying? It's in the hood. I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar. I, I've been in ghettos all over. But this shit is hood. Something happens and busy and lazy get into this big ass fight. Like, fuck you, nah. So I'm sitting here on the couch. They're fighting each other? Yes. Okay. Not physical, but it's like. Arguing. Yeah, like brothers. Okay. Like, you know how brothers, fuck you. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh shit, like, dude. Like, dude, I don't like this shit. I don't have time for this shit, dude. And then Busy's like, fuck you. I'm leaving you here. Something, something, something. 
Joker, you coming with me? Yes, sir. I don't know where the fuck. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck. Now I'm in the car. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, damn, what the fuck just happened? But as I hung around them, they do this. They put on performances for the for the people around them. And I learned that the more that I hung around them because it was constantly. Like, so they're acting. They're acting. And I'm not saying that in a bad way as if they, but it was like, it's just like you you got a brother or a family member you love so much. It's like, we can't even be around each other, dude. We've, we've known each other since we were fucking three. Like, we're going to bump heads mm -hmm. if we're around each other too long. You know what I'm saying? So, But I, I don't want to say that it's acting because he's a good dude. And, and I don't think that they were acting. But a, a lot of the times I could kind of see. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, but it was exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, dude, he left them in the hood, right? And I'm like, oh, shit, like, this is... Man, is this because of me? So the next morning we wake up, he picks me up. We go right back to the hood and pick him up. He's outside like, dude, why the fuck you leave me, man? At that point, did you feel like uh, you were getting your money's worth? Maybe that was their, their mentality? No, I don't think that's what it was. Okay. I think that's like really like how they really are. Because it happened a couple times. And one time I kind of like jumped in front of him and he looked at me he's like, don't ever fucking jump in front of me when me and my brother are fighting. And I said so that like, to you? Yeah, and I was like, dude, that's all you gotta tell me. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when I was kinda like, uh-uh, okay. You know what I mean? But those dudes are real, the, some of them, let me tell you something, Bone Thugs and Harmony, I don't give a fuck, I've been everywhere. Those are some real motherfuckers. And where they came from, this shit had never made it. Dude, I'm seeing high-speed chase cars flying by me this way. Dude dipping. 20 minutes later, the same car with a cop chasing him comes back by this way. <laughs> I'm really seeing this shit in their neighborhood, Cody. And I'm standing on the block like, what the fuck? Like, dude, I want to go home. <laughs> and I've been in some fucked up places. But East 99, never. I'll never go back there. <laughs> never. So that was the, the gnarliest place you've ever been to. Dude, I've been everywhere. L.A., Houston, through every ghetto. Dude, that place is bad. And then, I'm not even done. This is the last story. We're going to move on. So we're filming the video. This, this is what I'm telling you how grimy fucking Cleveland is. So when we're done doing our day shots with Busy and all that, we're doing all our cosmetic shots. Somebody makes a suggestion. Why don't we go to the so-and-so-so club? Busy looks, he's like, what? Nah, I'm good. I'm not smart enough to read, look at, and be like, hmm. Well, if he, uh, we're like, fuck that, let's go. We from Alaska? The, one of the directors, she's like, man, fuck it, we can go too. He's like, man, that shit kind of grimy, it's a little, but uh, I'm like, fuck it, let's go, man. I'm out here from Alaska. We, I don't give a fuck, let's go. Dude, so we go to this strip club, Cody. Oh, my God. This is the most. <laughs> you could have died in this strip club and nobody would probably come look for you for 100 years. <laughs> you should be dead on the floor. <laughs> People would walk right by you probably step like, damn, he been down there for a minute, man. <laughs> this motherfucker was a grimy. So we're filled with the video, dude. And I know we're shooting our scenes. So now people are gathering around. Busy Bone didn't come. Our, we went by ourselves like idiots. So we're shooting a video on our camera, man. So people start gravitating towards us. And now they're like fucking harassing the cameraman trying to film the video. They're like, man, shoot that film there. They're like pushing them, kicking them. And I'm sitting here performing and I'm looking like, yo. But they're not really fucking with me, though. I don't know. 
I think I might have been good because as soon as we walked in, the owner's like, Joker the Bell Vosman, dude, I seen you. I'm like, damn, okay, well, fuck it. I'm really turned up now. Like, the owner knows who I am, sees my videos, but long story short, these dudes are grimy as fuck. Dude, so we're done. They scared the shit out of all the cameramen, kicking them and smacking them upside the head and shit while they're trying to film. So we're walking outside to leave, like, towards the end. And there's fucking people running towards this dark marsh in the back with all of our shit uh, filming equipment out of our van. They broke into our van and tried to steal all the, the filming equipment. Okay. And they're like running with this shit. And my cameraman, and I'm looking, I'm looking at the direction they're going. Dude, it's dark over there. Like, <laughs> dude, don't go over there chasing those dudes that direction they're going with that shit. If they got that shit, that shit is gone. The dude, Gregory Otis, the you know, he's a cameraman. Cameramen are very noble men, especially when they have equipment <laughs> that they're yeah. renting. What's well, expensive? Oh, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and they're renting, yeah. Yes, you know that. So he's like, he's chasing after them. You fuckers, could give, give me my shit. So they're running through these fields. They're like, oh, shit. So they're dropping our shit like, boom. Dude, this is like 35 millimeter film cameras. You know what I'm saying? That old school good shit, big mm -hmm. shit. Dropping shit. Do, 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 do. Dude, I'm just sitting here. I'm eating these fucking chicken wings. I'm like, oh, I'm watching this shit like a movie. Like, man, fuck it. I, whatever we do, we're not going after those guys. That looks... Bleh. I'm not willing to die tonight. In the, at a <laughs> so they ran off with the footage, though. But they dropped it all because the, the camera guy scared them. That's some heavy shit, Cole. These are big ass, like... Yeah, yeah. You know, back in the film days, that's... You're like... So they're running, and he's like, hey! So they're like, oh, fuck, they dropped the shit and run. So I'm standing back at a real safe distance, right, eating these chicken wings like, oh, shit, this is like, I'm saying, I do not like Cleveland. <laughs> this shit is not for the I don't like this place, man. So one of the dudes comes walking up. He's like, hey, 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 man, let me get one of those chicken wings. I'm like, so I'm like, huh? Man, here, bro. I don't here. You can have one. And then the dude, the camera dude, he's like, "Hey, that's one of the guys that was running off with the shit." And he wanted the chicken wing, dude. <laughs> so I'm looking at him, and I'm like, "Man, I'm too far from home, man." He's, hey, it's just that that's just one of my Cleveland experience. But I, I don't. I'm not too big on Cleveland. I love Ohio. I love all you guys out there in Cleveland. But I can't. Uh. Uh. So money in a Ziploc bag almost didn't almost happen. Almost didn't happen. And then when I sent it to BET, they denied it. So I put everything I, my, everything I had into it, and they're like, "Nah, this doesn't, this doesn't fit what we're trying to do for that show, Uncut." Even though I already had videos on Uncut, they were like, "No." But my boy worked there. I'm not gonna put his name out there because everybody's gonna hit him up on the, uh, on Instagram. So I'm not gonna say his name. But um, he's like, "Look, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but..." Once we deny a video, we don't ever play it again. We don't give no, we don't tell you why. We just pass on it. He was like, you didn't have enough bitches in it, enough naked women, da 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 da. So then I went and got my small high eight camera and shot some scenes in the snow, went and shot a couple strippers and some cheesy shit, re-edited it back into the video, and then they aired it. And that's how that video came to be. So the element that the video is known for now didn't exist in the original version no we were it, it had some in there that that video is just a sleazy video dude you know in my opinion though it's I sleazy think, i think that those videos are the best music videos hip-hop music videos 
You think so? <laughs> I can tell by the look you're giving me. You're not stoked on that. Wow. Bro, <laughs> okay. we did that shit because we had we were trying to get on. That was all we had, Cody. You know, and that's not what our music was driven off of. That's not, So that's the perception people have on me. But I had to make that sacrifice mm-hmm. for us to get that exposure. Yeah, a lot of sacrifices. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let me see your Astro. I don't need that. Man, I was talking about some street shit. Selling drugs. You know what I'm saying? That's the stuff I was on. But I kept, and this is what happened. I had kept sending videos to BET and they kept declining them, declining them. They were like, nah, nah, nah. Then they're like, yo, we got a new show coming out. It's called BET's Uncut. It's straight up edgy, straight to the da 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 da. It's brand new. Send me something for it and I'll see. It just has to be edgy though, real grimy. So I'm like, man, I'm pissed. I've, I've shot like three, four videos for thousands on film. This is back when film, when there wasn't, too much digital shit. Mm-hmm. And they kept getting declined, but I never gave up. I still kept sending videos to BET. He said, fuck, dude, you keep sending me all these videos, dude. Like, this shit is shooting on film. I know this isn't cheap. He's like, listen, BET's uncut. Send me something for this format. Da, 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 da. And then history was made. You know, I guess to put this into perspective, you were called the king of BET Uncut because that song Money in a Ziploc Bag was in such heavy rotation. And BET Uncut was, as you alluded to, uh, and I think it's important to mention for those listeners too young to remember, it was a late night uncensored music video block on BET back in the day. So to be on that, I, I, I thought about this, and I think this is pretty accurate. Today, that would be like having 10 or 100 million views on YouTube. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent analogy. What was it like to see yourself in the limelight like that? Like after all that hard work, after all that craziness in Cleveland? I didn't know what to do. We had no clue what to do. It's like you want something so bad, it's like you you get it and then it's like, oh shit. Because we, like in in the African American, in the black community, us growing up, one of the most dominant and present and most gratifying things that we had was BET growing up because it was a television that was strictly for us that catered to our demographics with black programming. So as a child growing up, it was always our dreams to be on BET one day. Who gives a fuck about the money? Just to be able to like be on BET was like a lifetime achievement for me personally growing up as a child and doing music. I don't give a fuck if I don't do nothing else ever again. When I grew up in my parents' living room, sick fuck, I used to stand there watching BET. Like, oh my God, one day. I don't know how, when, one day. I don't know how though. So that was just like, oh shit, dude. So, you know what I mean? It, 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 it was, that was big. But we just, dude, I was young. I'm fucking 20 years old, dude, 19, 20. Okay, what do I do now? That's why I said we should have left. Because nobody really liked us. Oh, Joker, I, yeah, I know him. I see him all the time. Dude, we we hop in the car. We go to New York, dude, and we just roll down the window. People are looking. Yo, fina- Joker, we fucking know you. Money in the Ziploc bag. Dude, in New York. But I'm here in, a, in Anchorage, nickel and diamond, trying to hustle, ch- chasing a dream that doesn't even truly exist. Why do you think that perception existed here? What perception? That they weren't giving you props. You know, you're you're driving around in New York and people are recognizing you, but here in your home city, 
people don't care. Because a prophet is always hated in his own town. You know? Mm-hmm. But nobody was willing to take the sacrifices that I was willing to take. I was willing to. I'm the type that has so much faith in my muse back then. Not now I don't. Back then, if I was faced with the option of paying my rent or buying these CDs first and selling these CDs to make the money to be able to pay my rent and have some extra money, I believe that I could have sold those CDs in time to pay my rent. That's how, whether it was true or not, I don't, I can't, that's, but that's how I felt. So that's why I say when you see where I, the, the, the few accolades and where I've been, because that's what my drive was. Do you think that that lack of drive and investing in yourself uh, has anything to do with it being so hard for Alaskan rappers to rise above local celebrity? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. That's not even a question. That's exactly what it is. Everybody wants to spend money on this side, but when it comes to the business aspect, everybody's just supposed to naturally like me. I'm cool, dude. Who are you? Well, why? Get off your high horse. I'm nobody. I don't, you know, that's, that's when, that goes back to when I was saying like, what we were talking about, when I was talking about Facebook and Instagram, these are the two most powerful social media entities on the planet. How much money have you spent with the marketing of your business this year? Oh, oh you don't want to talk about that though, huh? You'll buy a $700 belt, $300 pair of shoes. Why not put your business and what you believe in on a broader platform and available to people who have never heard of you, never will hear of you. But, I, you know, I, I see things different, though. I, instead of me going and getting that $300 pair of shoes, I'm going to come and spend $300 and say, hey, Cody, can you help, edit me, help me edit my book, please? I want to put this out. It's not really tangible. See, people are afraid to invest in the things that they can't hold. I, I, need, to, I, I need to look at it right now. I've used, I've used this analogy a few times on the podcast, and I use it all the time. Uh, when you're lying on your deathbed, you're not going to be sitting there thinking, geez, I'm really freaking glad I bought those $300 pair of shoes. You're going to be like, I'm so happy I made that album. I'm so happy that I had that experience in Cleveland with Busy Bone yes. that produced that music video that put me on BET, which I've looked up to my entire life. And what legacy can you leave behind for your family? Every, see, and, and I hate to say this and I hate to even admit this, but everything I'm doing, I probably won't benefit from it now. But whenever my time comes, man, my, my legacy and my children, my family's going to have so much shit, bro. Books, albums, scre 20, 30 screenplays, novels. My kid's going to be like, what the, dad? Yep, that's all sitting in the fucking hard drive for you right there. Just make sure somebody doesn't rip you off for it. Why don't you think that you'll benefit from it? Because it'd be pompous for me to think that I would. So prepare for the worst. I want to, and I'm praying to God I do, but I got to... Balance it out with the harsh reality that, like we were just talking about earlier, you spend your whole fucking life doing what? Pursuing something that you never achieved. However, once you're gone, though, if you leave something behind that's... You, it's just like a painter. No fucking painter's ever rich when they're alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's fucked up. But no fucking painter's ever rich when they're alive. The day that they fucking die, what happens? We need every fucking thing that they've ever painted. Yeah, oh my God. Auctioned off for millions. Yes. And then, and as fucked up as it sounds, you got to put yourself in that light too. What are you going to leave behind? So if I die right now, 
you know, my music may go, whatever I have that my family can have that. That's you. Just if you fuck it off, you fuck it off. Mm-hmm. But hopefully it's tangible as something that you can build from. I want to get back to BET. Okay. At one point, I think I remember you telling me once about a time when BET sent someone up here to write a story. Yes. Do you remember that? Of course. I wanted to be on BET. Remember, I, I was just telling you it was my dream to be on BET. So I called them and I was just like, hey, my name's Sean. I have a music label up here in Alaska. We're gaining a lot of momentum. Um, I want somebody to come up here and do a story on me. I'll pay for everything. Travel arrangements, hotels, transportation, steak and lobster, first class reservations, everything. They're going to come up here and have a fucking blast. Whoever you send. First couple of times, you're like, what? Who? Second time, huh? Third time. You know what? I think it's a guy named Craig Henry. He's the program director. Boom, fuck it. You told me shit. That's all I needed. Now I got a name when I call back every day. That's all I needed. Can I please speak to Craig Henry? Probably took me maybe a couple months. Dude, I'm from Alaska. This is this we want to do. I'll fly you up here and whoever you want, dude, let's come have a blast. He's like, what? Man, send me something. So at this time, at the time that this happened, what made me so different from everybody else, I was already investing in myself. So I had like 10 albums out. So first thing I do is send him a big ass packet with like 10 different fucking albums in it. So when he rips it open, it's just like, Alaska, this phenomenal, little bar, Joker. So this is like, dude, this is like 99. So he's looking at all these, like, what the f- Like, dude, I tell you what. You send me an itinerary, we're there. What? Hey, guys, check this out. Go to the studio. Yeah, BET will be up here June 15th. And we're like, get the fuck. They didn't believe you. But they don't know what I'm capable of in the shit that I do. I'm the one up that's up at 4 or 5 in the morning calling every any number I can find in New York trying to tell them about Alaska and rappers. I'm up four, five, six in the morning calling New York. Every fucking day calling Universal. Every day calling Def Jam. You're going to hear what I have to say. Did it work? Fuck up. But, but that was my drive. Call BET. Hey, what, what, I, what do I need to do? You guys need to come up here. <laughs> Eventually, somebody's going to be like, fuck, dude. Hey, shit, listen. Cody Liska, stop calling up here. <laughs> like, for real. That's how that's 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 my passion. You know what I mean? Now I'm calling every day. Hey, Cody. And now, however, we interact when we talk is the luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. We're going to either hit it off or it's going to be like, dude, fucking weirdo. You know, and that's pretty much been, you know, the story of my life with this shit. So Craig, right? This guy, Craig. Yeah. He's up here. No, he's... no, no. I'm saying he, he's up here in, in, oh, in he the story that we're telling. Yes. Yeah. Comes to Alaska. He's thrilled. He's like, holy shit, this is huge. He came up here. It was, it was, it was pretty extraordinary. Actually, the, he, me and him will have a serious debate about this because he heard this on another interview. And me and him, he was like, no, nah, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. So, and I must tell the story anyway. Because beforehand, BET would used to spend their own money to fly out to go and interview artists. You know what I mean? I noticed after this conversation, it was more like, see, we, okay, you know, in Spinard, they had that old shoe repair store. Have you ever seen it? It's mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. That used to be our studio. It was the shoe repair sign and everything. So we, the way we had that studio set up, 
because we were young. So I'm like 19, 20. I had a lot of money. It was set up literally like the most plushest studio ever. You had the recording equipment. We had a DJ table set up here. We had the futons with the television. It was it was plush. We had the uh, posters hanging up, the super fly, pimp, Scarface. It was like your dream, ideal comfort zone, almost like a college dorm for hip hop heads. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So when he walks in and he sees it, dude, we had money. So for us to go spend 20,000, 30,000 on music equipment was nothing. Like we, we, we were willing, at this point in my age where I was at, I'm spending the money now. Like, dude, we need keyboards, get a keyboard. We need the NPC, get that. We need speakers, buy the speakers. I'm at that point where I, you know, I'm hustling to where I can be able to get what I want. So he sees the studio. He's like, dude, are you guys, like, this is all you guys' stuff? I'm like, yeah. We get money up here. <laughs> so he's like, dude, fuck. He's just looking like he's just mesmerized, like in a shoe repair store. It's like a decoy secret. Like, like, dude, nah, the only reason we didn't change the sign is because this is we don't want people, you know, invading our privacy. But mm -hmm. um, dude. I lie to you not, Cody. And he's going to argue this to the death. But he may be right, but he could be wrong. Dude, a couple months later, show comes out. BET The Basement. You going? You remember The Basement? Yeah, I do. Dude! Straight lounge area. All the poster. Exact Superfly poster. DJ equipment. Nice little couch lounge. And we're, I'm like, wow. That's your spot. Wow. I'm like, Okay. But he, but, and I would never say that, like, be like, oh, they owe me or they stole mine. That's my brother, dude. And I love him to death. I wouldn't give up, but it was just like, okay, we, we're doing something right. But he's like, no, I have that idea, wave. Bro, okay. All right. I notice everybody's come from BET's coming to you now instead of you guys spending that money and flying out to see them or whatever. They're like, fuck that. Get a spot like this. And if they want these million dollar promotions on our show, Fly your ass to spend your money on here and come get in here. And maybe I'm being, and I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just being extra. But it, the coincidence is just like, wow. Okay. That is crazy. That, yeah. Yeah. The BET was an excellent experience though. I love BET. So was there ever a point where you stopped and thought, I made it. All that hard work is paying off. Hell no. Because I ain't never got no big checks. Maybe a couple thousand checks for here, two thousand, you know, but it wasn't the money I invested, I'll never see back unless I just Yeah. Dude, I probably easily on this music shit, I probably spent anywhere, I spent over half a million. I fucked off over half a million on this music shit and never broke into the industry. But it was because I, I spent a bunch of money on shit that I wasn't supposed to. So I spent that money making mistakes. And how do you feel about that now? Disgusted. But it was, a, but now that's why I'm the asshole I am now because I had to spend all that money and you're not going to come get that shit from me for free now. Am I wrong? That's like if, man, like if I, if, if I own a grocery store and you walk into Fred Myers and be like, dude, I'm a cool ass dude, dude. Give me these fucking groceries. <laughs> Fred Myers is going to be like, we don't get, I don't, I don't care if you're related to Mr. Fred himself. You got to pay for these groceries before you walk out. It's nothing personal. <laughs> And, that, and I, I hate to be like that, but that's the way I feel about my resources that I've accumulated because I've spent a, I spent, I invested in this. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's just me. And that's the way I feel. Because like, I know if I want to learn something, I'm going to invest. I'm, I'm, if a person, I'll come to you, Cody, and you say, I say, Cody, I need you to do this. And you say, Sean, listen, you're a great guy. I love you, but I got to charge you $600. 
I have to respect that. Yeah, this a lot is, of people don't. This is your business. This is your drive. And I'm not going to be salty because you're not going to do it for free. I'm, oh, man, he's being funny, dude. He's trying to chart. Dude, this is his business. This is his franchise. We're franchises. Great advice. <laughs> do, do you feel like you're giving a lot of stuff out for free? I shouldn't be. And, I, and, I, and this is why I didn't want to do this because I knew I would. And there's going to be a lot of people that hear this shit and be like, hmm, hmm, okay. That's why I carry myself like that. Here's one way to think about it because I used to think that about stories that I would write and I, I held a lot of things close to my chest. But what I realized, and I forget who told me this, but whatever idea I have will never, ever come to fruition in the way that I have it planned in my head and that I would make it come out, right? So even if somebody stole, you know, my idea to do crude conversations or whatever, right? It's never going to be this because it, it doesn't involve me. Yes. And same thing with you. Okay, you're right. That, that Now that makes sense. That does. That makes a lot of sense. So to wrap this up, I know you don't want to talk about it too much because you're not proud of it. Mm-hmm. But it's a big part of your story, so I think it's important to at least mention. At near the height of your rap career, you ended up going to federal prison for over eight years for the distribution of crack. Now that you're on the other side of that, you're in a much more positive and constructive place. What can you say about that experience, and what did you learn? I mean, definitely it was an unfortunate experience, but it was definitely a pillar and my progression and the steps that I've made towards becoming the man I am today. So, I, I mean, it had to happen. It was written in the book, you know. It, um, I was involved with things that I shouldn't have been involved with, and it just kind of, and it happens inevitably. That's just one thing about that lifestyle is that, is like I always say, it's like a trap. It's, you're chasing something that's false that doesn't exist. And a lot of it does play into hip-hop, too, because hip-hop, sells this personage in this image to us that maybe less than 1% of us will ever reach or attain in life. So you want to try to get there quickly. So, you know, and like I said, I mean, it made me a better person because one thing again, the, the man I am today, nobody will ever be able to come and take my freedom from me again unless it's for me defending my family. And that's the only thing I'm ever willing to go back to jail for is protecting myself or my family. I'll never be able to be, I'll never be manipulated again into, you know, my negative lifestyle. And that's been a constant battle for me too, you know. And I, I can proudly say that I never want to go back to my old lifestyle. But it took a lot for me to reprogram myself. So the main thing, the way I was able to make that decision is I had to really break down everything I believed. My core beliefs, my values. I had to really strip myself of every fucking thing I knew and believed in and rebuild my character and everything back up from the ground so that I would make sure that I wouldn't fall in the same rut that everybody was around me doing. You know what I mean? So that's why I was able to come home and people would swear that I was still hustling, but these motherfuckers don't know that I go to a graveyard shift and work from midnight to eight. And then from eight to four, I go to rural cap. Then after that, I go to the radio station and cut all my, you know, cut my shows, whatever they, whatever they need me to cut from when let's get that shit out the way. It's stressful. I mean, working, I don't like it. I hate it, but I hate jail more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I really like, some people are like convicts. That's why I laugh. I said, because I'm, I'm not a convict because I don't like jail. I'm not the type of person that's always going to be going to jail. I only had to go to jail one time. And I was like, yeah, nope, nope. 
I'm good. My free because you can't put a price on my freedom. I was around a lot of people that were gonna die. You know what I mean? So with me crying and complaining, this motherfucker's like, yo, dude, I'm dying in here, dude. Yeah. My shit says deceased. That's my release date. And that's like, oh shit. It, and it's easy to get that. That that wasn't, it's not hard to get that. Split second decision. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh shit, what the fuck? What did I do? You know what I mean? So that's why I was kind of like when I was, you know, I was just like, okay. And then and and another thing that I learned in prison was, and this goes sound real crazy, but time management. Everybody's in there wasting time. Everybody in jail is wasting their fucking time. And I'm looking at him like, dude, like, do you got, are you, do you guys see this? Like, this is the perfect time to, to learn. And they're just kind of like, some of them do got it though. Some of them do get that. Don't get it. There's, there's those ones in there that's like, but shit, I was at a learning institute. I'm about to get ahead. So to everything you see now, all this you seeing, plan, plot, strategize. This, I, this shit is all thought out way years before this. My whole term in the making. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I got out and I was just, no, dude, I was sitting there. I, when I, man, I, I didn't fucking drink, smoke, nothing. All I did was fucking study nonfiction, screenplays, book writing, musical theory. I need to take advantage of everything I can. You give me all this fucking time, I'm going to take advantage of every single thing that I would have never did and had the time to do when I was on the streets. Everything. Guitar, let me see that guitar. I'm going to come in here every fucking day and put in 30 minutes until I learn how to use this motherfucker. And was that a mindset that you went in there with or that you developed? I had to develop it because I had never been to jail before. So when I got in there, you have to adapt. It's, it, and, and I was just thinking about this today too, Cody. The most dangerous thing about jail is 95% of the people that are thrown into prison systems have untreated mental health issues. Do you know that percentage for a fact? Yes, because I work in that field. Okay. So I'm able to pick on it. I have lots of studies. And, and me being a black male, we do have a very serious issue with mental health in our community, but we don't do we We, we self-medicate. A lot of people won't admit that, but I'm able to know that because now I'm in that field. I study, I know, the, I, you know, I'm familiar with it. So I can see like, oh shit. So you throw a thousand dudes in a fucking module that ha all have untreated mental health issues because I don't want no fucking help, dude. I don't need it. You do. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm, I'm speaking, I'm, let me use I statements. I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now you want this person to come out a better person. So if you're not mentally like, cognizant and be able to pick up on certain instances and okay let me move away from you know dude you're gonna come out a lot worse do you think that that's where recidivism comes from exactly where it comes from you're not dealing with none of these guys' mental health issues at all this shit is mental and then you strip a person out of their house five or six in the morning machine guns kids cold as shit you, you don't know what the Dude, that's PTSD. Traumatizing, yeah. If I strip you out of your fucking bed at gunpoint at five in the morning, mask on, machine guns, dude, that's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Throw you in a cold cell, boom, boom. You're like, what the? F Where am I going? I don't know. Where now you just throw you in a pit bull cage. They're sending these young guys, 18 years old, you're sending them to gladiator school. You're sending them to a yard where a dude has... Four life sentences plus an extra 500 years. And he's 18 years old. And everybody has a knife. And they're all killers. Have no value of life because they're never coming home again. But you got a 10-year sentence and you got to make it through. 
with this dude right here that got four life sentences plus 100. So how does that kid make it through? Whew, he better hope he ain't told nobody. For real. But, the, but you know what's so crazy about the pen is that everything kind of like monitors itself. And that prison situation, that whole thing I went through, Cody, that shit made me change my whole... When they Rehabilitation worked for me. And that sounds so cheesy. People are going to be like, ah, no, that shit worked. You know why? Because I don't, the jail sucks, bro. It's to the point where I would rather do right. That's how bad I fucking hated jail. Like, you know what, dude? I, I'll fucking do, I'll do right. You're not finna be, man. You're not finna leave me trapped in here with all these guys for the rest of my fucking life. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'll go to work. I don't give a fuck about that pride shit. Put them groceries right on the shelf. Shit. If y'all see my paycheck, y'all be like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's why. Okay. Damn, Fred Myers is paying. Yeah. Stick around a little bit. My other job rule cap, they pay me good money. So I don't have to feel like I'm in competition. I don't feel like I need a Benz, dude. I drive a piece of shit Impala. I want a fourplex, dude. I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to buy property. Yeah. You know, so that I, my mindset came out like I stripped myself morally everything. So you're seeing uh, somebody that's completely reconstructed to a sense. I still have, you know, but my view and my paradigm and I respect other people's views of the world before I really didn't. That's a great place to, to come out on. Yeah. It's well, not always about me. Other people have their views too. And you know what? You're entitled to view the world the way you see it. I may not agree with it, but who am I to argue with what you believe? That does it for my questions. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Man, I appreciate you, Cody. This, you know, it's always a pleasure to come talk to you, bro. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats.